Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy football. Draft your team with no in-season management. Get the optimal score each week of the season and have a shot at over $10 million in total prize money in their Best Ball Mania 3 contest. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store, sign up with promo code FSE, and Underdog is going to match your first deposit up to $100. Again, Underdog Fantasy. Sign up with promo code FSE and draft your Best Ball Mania 3 team today. What's going on, guys? It's Danny from Fancy Stock Exchange here. And today, I'll be going through day two of the superlatives week we're doing over here at the Fancy Stock Exchange YouTube channel, highlighting my top five sleeper candidates of fantasy football. Guys going outside of the top 100 selections that have a chance to not only beat their ADP, but downright smash it for this year's 2022 fantasy football campaign. You guys would have already seen Bush's top five breakout candidates yesterday. Today, of course, is going to be in my top five sleepers. And you'll be seeing the rest of our superlatives throughout this week. If you guys enjoy content like this and are interested in watching more, leave a like down below, comment down below Superlatives Week, and subscribe to the channel. We're currently on the road to 15,000 subscribers. Appreciate you guys a ton. We're going to be trying to get there by this year's season start. So if you guys haven't subscribed already, make sure you do so. But before I get into my top five sleepers, as always, let's hit the intro. Okay, so before we discuss these sleepers, let's preface by saying that, as I always say, these sleepers are to be viewed as ancillary, complementary pieces to your fancy teams. Your main picks are most likely going to be your money makers. So, however, every year, being able to spot, spot out a couple of these late round gems can ultimately win you your fantasy football leagues. Guys going out to the top 100 that not only beat their ADP, as I kind of said, but can be wide receiver twos, can be RB twos, can be tight end ones being taken outside of the top 100, giving you a huge advantage over the rest of your league mates. In terms of 2021 best ball win rates, 12 of the top 25 in terms of best ball win rate were selected outside of the top 100, with two more being outside of the top 90 overall selections in terms of ADP. Guys last year like James Conner, Hunter Renfro, Amonor St. Brown, Daryl Williams, Rob Gronkowski, Dalton Schultz, Mike Williams, Jalen Waddle, and then finishing off with guys like Darnell Mooney, Rashad Penny, Christian Kirk, and Russell Gage in particular were all guys that outside of the top 100 not only were solid or could fill in for a few weeks but were downright dominant in the fantasy football season so if people are saying oh well this sleeper can you know potentially fill in a couple bye weeks no he's not a real sleeper you want a guy that can potentially not only fill in for a couple weeks but be a mainstay in your lineup if you hit it correctly. So those type of profiles are the ones we should be targeting. In terms of what we can learn from last year's sleepers projecting forward to this year, I still think that archetypal drafting is crucial in terms of structure. Mixing in, you know, some profiles in different areas. A blend of guys with youth at wide receiver, for example, for late season emergence. Guys like ARSB and Jalen Waddle last year. Or, you know, you could look at potentially undercounted situational advantage players. So a guy like Mike Williams last year, where he was expected to be the wide receiver two on a top 10 offense, casting passes from Justin Herbert. Yet 
the whole fantasy f- football community was pretty much out on him given what he had shown in the past when realistically a lot of those downfalls were the result of injury. So, And then the other archetype that we really want to be drafting is ambiguous slash murky backfields with an untrustworthy starter. So, for example, an ineffective starter or an injured starter. And the main guys last year that represented that case would have been guys like Rashad Penny, Daryl Williams, James Conner, where there was a presumed starter going into the year. And those guys eventually either overcame the starter or the starter got hurt, which resulted in those guys being legitimate league winners down the stretch. So being able to analyze your board in these late rounds requires a lot of intuition and research but for the ease of you guys at home i have already done all the dirty work so let's go off to my top five sleepers entering 2022 for fantasy football and we're start off with the onesie position the scarce position itself at tight end my main sleeper at the tight end position going into 2022 is going to be david and joku tight end from the cleveland browns currently going off the board as the tight end 17 143rd overall on my multi-site adp and my rank is currently as the tight end 12 136th overall if anybody's going to be, you know, this year's Dalton Schultz, a tight end currently going under the radar, I think it's going to be Njoku from Cleveland. He presents a tight end that, despite failing to live up to expectations the last few years, he now has a real opportunity to reclaim his status as a top 10 tight end in fantasy land, and yet goes outside of the top 15 selected at the position. For David Njoku, the weird case of his career is that He looked like this player a few years ago. He looked like a player poised to break out in 2019 following that promising sophomore campaign he had in 2018. But between injuries limiting him in 2019 and the Browns signing Austin Hooper in 2020, Njoku was basically just cast aside. He saw his overall snap share and route participation on snaps he did play both fall a ton going from a 78% route participation in 2018 to never cracking over 55% in each of the last few years. You guys would see that tweet from Dwayne McFarlane on the screen, where basically in 2019, 20, and 21, he never eclipsed over 51% in terms of route participation. We saw that number this preseason jump to 80% route participation. And Dwayne kind of says here, he has a great shot as a top 12 tight end if that number holds going into the season. And yet is going off the board. He has him at tight end 16. I have him at tight end 17 in terms of ADP. So he is a clear profile that is being underrated in terms of past usage. But we have indicators going into this year that he's going to receive the usage that we crave, that we intend for from our sleeper tight end. So with the Browns, we kind of highlighted, but they let Austin Hooper go this offseason and then proceeded to sign David Njoku to a top five average annual value in terms of his contract with a four-year, nearly $60 million extension this offseason. It is clear, in my opinion, that the Browns want this guy to be in their plan. Given the Browns receiving pecking order being as ambiguous as it currently is outside of a Cooper and Joku has an opportunity to be the number two weapon in Cleveland and despite a history of rotating tight ends like I said with Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland we have gotten every indication that he wants Njoku to be that main guy this year where Jacoby Brissett this past Saturday played 33 snaps well guess what David Njoku played 30 of them David Njoku played 11 slot snaps and one out wide so he's not only being used as an inline blocker they want to establish that ground game with him no they want him out wide they want him in the slot they want him being used as a focal point in the receiving game so getting that level of upside from a tight end that posted a 9.32 math bomb score via Kent Lee Platt I want all the shares of David Njoku I possibly can. He can finally be that alpha tight end for the Browns, can easily reclaim that top 10 status that he showed in 2018. And as we kind of said from the peripherals, 
a potential number two weapon on an offense with the elite athleticism, like, yeah, if you're getting that at the tight end position after missing out on the top five elite tier, and you can pair a guy like David Njoku with like maybe a safer tight end like Hunter Henry, I think David Njoku has all of the upside this upcoming year to not only be a tight end one, but a potential difference-making tight end. I wouldn't be shocked if we looked at after this year, David Njoku providing you a top six to eight advantage at the tight end position and getting that, you know, round 13, round 14, round 15 is going to be extremely crucial for your fantasy team. So if you miss out on one of the elite guys early, I think David Njoku could be this year's sleeper tight end. Number four on this list is going to be wide receiver from the Minnesota Vikings with KJ Osborne going off the board as the wide receiver 74, 216th overall on multi-site ADP. And I kind of alluded to Mike Williams case, you know, the peripheral case in my uh, introduction. But if anybody's going to be this year's Mike Williams, I think that KJ Osborne has a real opportunity to do so. I currently have him ranked as the wide receiver 67, 152nd overall. And he's a player that at current multi-site ADP outside of the top 200, he should be on every single one of your teams for those of you watching at home. He's coming off an impressive year too, where he was able to command 82 targets and a 15% target share this past year. I think he's potentially poised to develop into, like I said, this year's Mike Williams. What exactly went into that Mike Williams breakout? Like I said, he was a volatile deep threat insulated to a top passing offense that took the next step towards potentially being the clear cut number two on his offense. All opportunities that could be staring KJ Osborne in the face going into 2022. Guess what I saw this past year without Adam Thielen on the field, 11.4 half PPR points per game. So with that glimpse, with that shot, when Adam Thielen is missing, how KJ Osborne operated as that clear-cut number two, I think could be the mainstay going into 2022. Why you ask? People might be saying, well, if Adam Thielen's on the field, how is KJ Osborne going to break out? KJ Osborne did this predominantly when the Vikings were a heavy 12 personnel team in 2021. And we have every indicator going into 2022 that that may not be the case for the Minnesota Vikings this upcoming year. With Kevin O'Connell coming over, obviously, from the Los Angeles Rams, we would have saw last year and the year before. The LA Rams 11 personnel usage versus the Minnesota Vikings 11 personnel usage was night and day. The Rams ran 11 personnel at a 65% rate in 2020 and a 86% rate in 2021 versus the Vikings in the last years only running at a 29% rate and 47% rate in terms of 11 personnel package. So if we're getting more snaps of KJ Osborne on the field, that's already going to increase the validity of this breakout. But now we're combining it with the actual pace of play and neutral pass scripts that we saw from the Rams in the past couple of years versus the Vikings in the past couple of years. So last year and the year before for the Vikings, they ranked 17th and 26th in neutral pace and 16th and 26th in neutral pass rate in those two years. Kevin O'Connell's offenses with the Rams have been top 12 in each of those categories each of the last two years. Hayden kind of mentions this as a possibility for a breakout Justin Jefferson blow up Cooper Cup-esque level season, which I definitely see in the cards, him being my wide receiver one. But I think this operates and affects the offense as a whole. If we're getting more snaps, more exposure to KJ Osborne and what should be a team that, that throws the ball more in neutral situations and has more opportunity for plays given the pace that they are operating at, I think it could be the clear-cut number three weapon on what I expect to potentially be a top 10 offense this year. If you're getting that at wide receiver 74 cost, your last pick, I'm more than fine with stashing KJ Osborne. I don't believe in, you know, wide receiver handcuffs, obviously. I think he's got standalone value being that number three on the Vikings. But as we kind of said, if he's going to blow up, if he's going to be, you know, that league winning type of player taken outside of the top 100, well, Adam Thielen is a 32-year-old wide receiver who's dealt with nagging injuries each of the last few years. 
I wouldn't be at all shocked if Adam Thielen fell off the earth. And if Adam Thielen fell off the earth, KJ Osborne has the profile to be the number two in this offense. And if he's the number two in a Kirk Cousins-led, high-octane Minnesota Vikings offense, he could be a legitimate top 25-level wide receiver in that case. So that level of upside being able to be had in the last round of your drafts, sign me up for KJ Osborne. I think if the cards break right, as I kind of said, he could be this year's Mike Williams. The third player on my list is going to be running back from the Los Angeles Rams. You guys have kind of heard that cue and would automatically think we're talking about Cam Akers, given how high we've been on him on the channel. But I'm going to his counterpart in L.A., Daryl Henderson, running back from the Rams, going off the board as the RB42, 117th overall on multi-site ADP. I currently have him ranked as my RB39, 95th overall player in my rankings. And to me, if anybody's going to profile as this year's James Conner, I think it could potentially be Daryl Henderson. Listen, I love Cam Akers, the player. I think when he is healthy, he has all the explosive ability, all the elite footwork to be able to be a top end back in this league. But every word we've gotten from Rams camp has indicated that this could potentially be a muddier situation than we expected coming into the year. A quote from coach Sean McVay has indicated that he thinks that they have two starting caliber running backs in this backfield. And with the Rams backfield, clearly, if we're getting a player that could potentially work as the number one on what should be a top five to eight level offense this year with the Rams, yes, sign me up for Daryl Henderson already as a undisputed handcuff on this team. Overall, this Rams backfield was always going to be mispriced. If we were pricing Daryl Henderson as a pure, pure handcuff, not going to sniff the field despite Cam Akers being there, yeah, like he, he should have been a 12th round pick all the way around. Alex Madison, Rashad White, Melvin Gordon archetypes to begin with. But then we have an opportunity now with Daryl Henderson where he could potentially mix in, you know, a 35, 40, 45% share of opportunities in this backfield. Again, in this Rams backfield, if we're getting that type of Daryl Henderson, he should more so be in the Tony Pollard, Kareem Hunt, AJ Dillon type of range. He should be a seventh or eighth round pick. So are we valuing Cam Akers as being the bell cow that a guy like Dalvin Cook, that a guy like Leonard Fournette has shown in the past? Are we more so valuing Akers at his ADP round four or five as a, you know, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones type where there's still going to be opportunity for the number two ancillary piece in this backfield. I'm more so leaning on the latter. And because I think that's the case, Daryl Henderson should be an eighth round pick in fantasy football. Reason being, of course, we want full access to this offense in what is going to be a top five offense this year and what's going to be one of the most efficient red zone offenses in the entire league, which they've proven time and time again under Sean McVay being their head coach. If Akers is not fully healthy, which it appears to be the case, you have to be prioritizing Daryl Henderson in your drafts. But now he has the opportunity to carve out a serious role on an elite offense. And as I kind of said, as bullish as we think Cam Akers return to play could be throughout the year, there is still significant data back in the fact that he may never fully regain that elite explosive ability again after that Achilles tear. So again, if Akers were to miss any time, we're downright getting a top 12 level upside running back. And we literally saw last year, those first 12 weeks prior to Henderson's own injury, he was the RB13 and averaged nearly 16 PPR points per game. So if anybody's going to be the case to be this year's James Conner, the incumbent backup entering the year that developed into a league winner on an elite offense, it is easily Daryl Henderson. The biggest difference, in my opinion, we now have the foresight on the fact that Akers might not be ready. 
information that we had no knowledge of going into last year with Arizona with James Conner. So we're getting more information on the status of Cam Akers. We know that this offense is one we want to target. And Daryl Henderson was already a fine pick at his ADP if Cam Akers was fully healthy. So target Daryl Henderson. You could be your RB4, RB5 on your teams, especially if you're in a zero RB type of team. If Daryl Henderson gets any starting work on that Rams offense going into the year, he's going to be a mainstay in my top 12 running back rankings on a week-to-week basis. And getting that at current RB42 opportunity cost, sign me the hell up on Daryl Henderson. The number two sleeper on my list is going to be rookie wide receiver Chris Olave of the New Orleans Saints. Currently going off the board as the wide receiver 44, 107th overall on aggregate. And I think this could potentially be this year's Amonra St. Brown. I really don't understand how the public has not yet caught to the potentially massive role Chris Olave could have as a rookie. Olave is a rookie wide receiver from Ohio State who was the 11th overall pick in this year's draft after the Saints traded the rights to their third and fourth round selections to move up from 16th to 11th just to ensure that they had Olave on their team. And this type of move, in my opinion, shows just how much the Saints coveted Olave, a player they got some serious insight on from the past relationship between assistant GM Jeff Ireland and Ohio State wide receiver coach Brian Hartline. You guys see the tweet on the screen from reporter Mike Triplett. Basically, when Ireland and Hartline had their conversation, Ireland just asked him, shared up, what should I know about Chris Olave? And Harline just basically told him, this is Terry McLaurin all over again. Terry McLaurin, in my opinion, is a very realistic stylistic comp for Olave, an elite separator at all three levels of the field who can high point the football and not only win deep, but does so at an elite level. As we've seen with Terry McLaurin, he has developed into an alpha wide receiver. And while the room is still out on what we could see from Chris Olave, I think he's got all the skill set and opportunity with his draft capital to be able to indicate that he has the ability to command an alpha level role soon enough in the NFL. And I mentioned Terry McLaurin as a stylistic comp for Brian Hartline. While Matt Harmon from Reception Perception is also a big fan of Olave, citing him as the most pro-ready receiver of this year's crop and comparing his style to the likes of a guy like Calvin Ridley, stating that he could be a ready-made technically brilliant wide receiver two with the development path to eventually be a one. And that's all indicated in terms of his separation metrics on the site, 90th percentile against man, 80th percentile against zone and 93rd percentile against press. The talent, in my opinion, is clearly there in abundance for Olave on a Saints team operating with the most offensive firepower it's had in years. As a result, in my opinion, the Saints have made clear indicators. They intend to open up this offense and play through their receiving talent, obviously with the likes of Michael Thomas, Olave, and Jarvis Landry on this team. And a lot of information we've got in this offseason has indicated that they want to base out of 11 personnel which they've shown all training camp. You guys can see that from Nick Underhill, Established the Run podcast. But basically, Nick Underhill, the lead reporter from the New Orleans Saints, has got an indication that they want to play through these wide receivers. They want to use 11 personnel. They, last year, yes, were a predominant slow-paced team that wanted to stay grounded with Alvin Kamara. But that was mostly due to the injuries they were facing at the receiver position with Michael Thomas out, with... Uh, Traquan Smith battling injuries with, you know, guys like Deontay Hardy being, you know, a wide receiver two at points for them. Marcus Callaway being a significant contributor to the lineup. They don't want that to be the case this year. They want to open up that offense now that they have that receiving depth that they do. And in my opinion, in three wide receiver sets, 
Michael Thomas is going to be the X. Jarvis Landry is going to be the slot. And Olave is set to be this team's starting Z wide receiver, which is a spot, in my opinion, that is tailor-made for him to potentially dominate right away. In my opinion, he has the opportunity this year to occupy this year's Amonra St. Brown archetype where he can win early and often as a wide receiver and he can command targets in this Saints offense. I think he's legitimately a guy that going outside the top 100 as a wide receiver four or five on your team has legitimate wide receiver two upside in fantasy football on what I expect to be one of the biggest sleeper offenses in the entire year with the New Orleans Saints. A team that when Jameis Winston was healthy, Averaged 25 points per game on offense. So I do expect that to continue with Jameis Winston healthy. I do expect them to gear towards that downfield passing game that Jameis Winston was known for in his time in Tampa Bay. And as a result, Chris Olave has the opportunity to smash at his ADP. But the final player we're going to be talking about, my number one sleeper going into fantasy this year, is going to be Kadarius Tony, wide receiver for the New York Giants. Currently going off the board as the wide receiver 45, 110th overall on multi-site eight. 110th overall in multi-site ADP, and he's this year's Jalen Waddle. He's my wide receiver 37, 73rd overall in my ranking. So a clear discrepancy between where I rank him and where ultimately multi-site ADP has him ranked. 37 places. And where do I really start with Kadarius Tony? He was a guy that I was really fading as a prospect before doing a complete 180 flip on him after seeing what he was able to do in that limited sample size as a rookie this past season. Tony, to say the least, showed elite talent at being able to command targets and is one of the best yards after catch threats, not only amongst his class, but in the entire NFL. Last year, he showed when he was on the field, he commanded a 28.9% target rate, or for those of you at home, basically his targets per route run, which ranked seventh across the league amongst, again, not only his own draft class, but every single wide receiver in the league that got over 50 targets, as well as posting the 11th highest yards per route run rate, again, amongst wide receivers in the entire NFL with 50 plus targets, according to PFF. So Tony's a guy who last year, yes, his season was marred by, you know, those nagging lower body injuries throughout, but he at least showed that when he was at full capacity, he can be a very good receiver in today's NFL. This offseason, you know, he's battled some issues with his hamstring and offseason knee injury. So obviously it doesn't come without risk. But as I kind of alluded to in the intro, we're not selecting these guys based off the safety that they can maybe, you know, beat their ADP or perform at their ADP. Tony has the opportunity and the skill set to smash and win leagues. And those are the type of players I want to be swinging for the fences for a guy like Kadarius Tony. Every report thus far has indicated that Tony should be ready to play, ready to go for week one. And if he is, we now get to the juicy part as to why I think he could really thrive. He can really show out. Obviously, I mentioned last year already in that boring mundane offense that they played with with the New York Giants, he was still a phenomenal player. But now we're having Brian Dable come to town from Buffalo, bringing forth his innovative offense that we've seen with the Bills in the last few years, along with, of course, the ambiguous receiving pecking order for the Giants. I think this indicates a huge opportunity for Tony to thrive as this team's number one and main weapon in the passing game. And I kind of said, he reminds me of being able to be this year's Jalen Waddle, being a player that can be manufactured looks to exploit his elite movement and yards after catch ability. And I would not be at all shocked that if he played a full season this year, Tony can be a 25 plus percent target share player who, as I said, thrives in space and ultimately produces a, a top 20 level receiver this upcoming season. So 
Floor does not matter, as I said, outside of these top 100 picks. So if you're getting a receiver that has legitimate top 15 to 20 upside at the wide receiver position, he is easily one of the biggest boom-bust profiles that I want to be smashing in this year's draft. A second-year receiver that dominated and earned targets in year one. Sign me the hell up. I'm drafting Kadarius Tony. You better draft Kadarius Tony. This year's Jalen Waddle. Either way, I hope you all enjoyed, and time is running out to get your shot at $10 million in total prizes in Best Ball Mania 3. Imagine winning $2 million in that contest for coming in first, $1 million to second, and $1 million to the regular season highest score. So take your fantasy knowledge into action by using code FSC at signup and first deposit for 100% match back up to $100. Basically, if you put $100 in on the site, you get $200 worth of credit, or AKA, as we like to put it, eight bullets in the chamber to win $2 million. And as a thank you for using code FSC, you'll get our redraft and dynasty rankings for free, including our draft ready cheat sheet you can bring right into your draft. Check it all out if that interests you. And of course, check out the Patreon if you want to support the show. We appreciate you and hope you enjoy the rest of Superlatives Week. Peace out, y'all. Talk to you soon.